right, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 15. We're going to be in the story of the prodigal son. Now y'all understand why I was saying this is a familiar passage of scripture. Amen. And uh, let me see here. I'm blind. For those of you that don't know, they can't fix it apparently. I'm just old. And uh, anyhow, uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> anyhow, so I have to get uh, uh, I have to get my iPad where I can see stuff. Amen. I got it up like uh, so. The 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 default setting on it on the font size is like 11, and I have to have it at 20 so I can read. I don't know how bad that is, but it feels really, really bad, all right? <laughs> and Because uh, when it said 11, I need somebody to help me. When it said 11, I need a magnifying glass. We go back to Granny Harrington, amen, and her sitting there reading the paper with a... All right. If you're in Luke chapter number 15, say amen. By the way, Dalton just made that story up the whole time he was going with it, all right? And uh, anyhow, but it is good. I've heard that illustration, but, uh, uh, but it is good. I sure am thankful for that, that God's ways aren't our ways, and he sees what we don't. And uh, that would have been a fitting uh, song to sing tonight, but uh, I think the Lord has a different direction. So I was going to add a fourth week to the drama, and uh, I wanted to. So uh, we're, we're dealing with a prodigal son, and, uh, but you can't talk about the prodigal son without talking about his brother. And I wanted to add, I ain't gonna lie, I wanted to add a fourth week to the prodigal son drama, but I thought if I added the fourth week and we had a pile of visitors and I got to preaching on the brother, uh, it probably wouldn't go as good as, uh, as some of the rest of it. Now, I'm not scared to preach it to them, but they're not the ones that need it. Amen. I will say that again. I, it's not that I'm scared to preach it to them. It's just they're not the ones that need to hear it. Those that are new or those that have not heard the gospel aren't the ones that can relate to the older brother. However, those of you that are in here with me tonight, that been in church for a little bit, we can relate to the older brother, all right? Now, we're going to do a little quiz, a little, little, little testing, all right? So last Sunday, we started this thing, and uh, we started preaching on the prodigal son, but how many of you remember the background of that, and what are we dealing with? Who was, who was Jesus dealing with at this time? The who? The scribes and Pharisees, all right? He was dealing with them because they had a problem with Jesus, all right? The Bible tells us back in chapter number 14 and verse number 25 that there was multitudes that followed Jesus. But as you read, continue reading in that scripture, you'll find out by the end of chapter 14 and by the beginning of chapter 15, the people that gravitated towards the Lord were called publicans and sinners. All right, for those of you that may not know what a publican is, a publican was a tax collector. Remember me saying that this past Sunday? They were a tax collector. They weren't liked any more 2,000 years ago than they are now. I need somebody to say amen. 
If you like an IRS agent, I question your Christianity, all right? I, I'm as serious as I can be. And, uh, you know, we went to war and dumped all kind of tea in the sea and everything else over a 3% tax, and now we're paying upwards of 30. I need somebody to help me. They are robbing us blind. And our forefathers would have tea spilled all over Long Pond. Let me get off of politics. I do follow it way too much, all right? And I have to get right with Jesus. This is my, this is my bitterness and my sin is right there in politics. But anyhow, in this story, these publicans, these tax collectors, and these sinners are gravitating towards Jesus. And it causes a problem. The religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, all right, they have a problem with Jesus eating and socializing with the publicans and the sinners. So Jesus gives a threefold parable. Remember, we talked about that. In the first part of the parable, what do we have? Somebody help me out besides Melissa Strong. Uh, no. <laughs> Who said it back here? He left the 99 to go find the one, all right? The sheep. It was a wandering sheep, if you'll remember. Now, the next parable was, Chris? The silver coin. The silver coin. There you go, brother. So it was the sheep, and then it was a piece of silver, all right? It was a silver coin. And in each of those stories, all right, when they found it, does anybody remember what they did? They rejoiced. They celebrated. Absolutely, man. They rejoiced over the fact that something that was lost was now found. The third part of the parable deals with the prodigal son. All right? So we have the sheep, the silver, and the son. The third part deals with the son. All right? The son leaves his father. He goes and he wastes all. Uh, by the way, the word prodigal uh, means wasteful. All right, and so the prodigal son was a wasteful son. That's why the Bible tells us that he went and wasted his living on riotous or, or wasted his goods or wasted his living on riotous living, all right? And the brother, the older brother, later tells us that he wasted that money on harlots, all right? So it was worse than what we think. Is everybody with me? But... The point is, is that uh, uh, the, the son, and we all know the story, he comes home and the father, he returns to the father, the father brings him in and he celebrates, all right? And all three parts of this parable, they rejoice when something that is lost is found, all right? But the context of the parable is the religious crowd upset about sinners coming to Christ, okay? And now listen, we look at that and we say, who in the world could do that? But you'd be surprised how many people get jealous and get upset when it comes to somebody else, all right, receiving grace, right? How many of you, come on now and help me, how many of you has ever been speeding and somebody comes flying around you and you say, I hope they catch them. <laughs> Come on, help me out. You're speeding too, right? But 
<laughs> yeah, see, I got y'all. I, I, I set the hook, y'all didn't even know it was coming. See, we get into this thing and we want grace for me, but not grace for thee. I need somebody to help me. Grace for me, but not grace for thee. In other words, we want God to be gracious to us, and we want society to be gracious to us. But when we see others doing things that we are doing, we want them to have to pay for theirs. I need somebody. Come on, y'all. Help me out. Let's take a look. Luke chapter number 15. We're going to start in verse number 25. We're not going to read the story. You're familiar with the story. We're going to cut right to the older brother. All right. The Bible says in verse number 25, now his elder son, this was the father, uh, uh, the father's elder son. This was the prodigal's older brother. All right. So now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, this is a servant speaking to the brother. And he said unto him, thy brother is come and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. All right. So, dad throws a party. Everybody all right? Dad throws a party and he cooks steaks. All right? And they were the tender ones too. This was the fatted calf. And so, they, he throws on, I'm talking about a sure enough party, so much so that the, there's music and there is dancing. All right? Now, this is a representation, by the way, of heaven and the Father. Is everybody all right? And so if there was music and dancing, I'm surprised that uh, uh, Jesus didn't get the memo. Amen. That we wasn't supposed to have no music or dancing in our church service. I need somebody to help me. All right. I'll move on from that because some of y'all is like, don't go there, preacher. Okay. Verse number 28. The Bible says, and he was angry. Now this is talking about the elder brother. This is talking about the elder son. The Bible says that he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Everybody help me out right here and say liar. 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 All right. Ain't nobody was perfect. Okay, nobody's perfect. We know that, all right? But it's real easy for us to exaggerate some truth. I need somebody to help me. It's real easy to exaggerate some truth, all right? And so uh, there was some truth to this, but he took it a little far saying he's never transgressed at any time against his commandment. The Bible says this, and he says, And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. And of course, we're talking about a lamb here, all right? Verse number 30. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, he says, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, this is the father speaking now, son, Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. 
It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And so many, some people, they divide this thing up, not just three parables, but four. And the fourth parable, they deal with the elder son or the elder brother. We're not going to do that. It is a part, it's right where it was supposed to be. And it's a part of the third part of the parable, which is the prodigal son. But I want you to notice a few things about the elder brother. And I want you to evaluate your life, all right, and say, preacher, I'm not the elder brother. Praise God, hallelujah, uh, amen, glory to God, all right. I, I, I praise the Lord for it. But if we're not careful, we can become the elder brother. All right, and I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in this church. I've had people stand there and tell me that this was their church and they had built this church and they had done this and they had done that. And, and, and when we start taking that mentality, uh, then we become just like the elder brother. All right. Now, the reason that I felt like we needed to discuss this and we needed to uh, 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 have this fourth sermon, if you will, is because of expectations, all right? I expect that more people are going to be joining Calvary Baptist Church, all right? I hope you do too, all right? So uh, we're very excited about this. And uh, it, for those of you that may not know, uh, I, I've tried to explain this, but at one point, you know, before we went to two services, we were averaging 330 to 335 people. Now we average close to 400. All right, and so as, since we've gone to the two services, we have seen an increase of almost 70 people, all right? And so uh, uh, what, what do you think is going to happen? I believe it's going to continue, all right? Which means that people are going to come in looking for things to do that you have done Amen. all your life. You have been a part of. And if you're not careful, you're going to take ownerships of things that you never owned to begin with. You remember that I told you the last Sunday, if you were here, you remember I told you that the younger son, the prodigal, he requested of his father, he demanded of his father something that was never his to begin with. See, he said, divide unto me the portion that is mine. There was nothing that was his. It was all the fathers. Everybody say that with me. It was all the fathers. Let's say it again. It was all the fathers. There was nothing about that. There was nothing that he was given that was anything that was his. A matter of fact, the elder brother realized this. And you remember he said, he, he, when he was talking to the father, what did he say about the prodigal? He said, he has devoured thy living. He didn't say he has devoured his living. He said he had devoured Thy living. In other words, the elder brother, he recognized very quickly that what that boy had and what that boy had wasted was not his to begin with. All right? So there are some good things about the brother. All right? There's some good things about the brother, but he let something creep into his life. And it was called bitterness. It was called bitterness. Now, Sunday during the drama, if you'll remember, uh, uh, Brother Bear, he helped us out with this. And you'll remember he played the older brother. 
And uh, you're going to get it tonight, bro, I'm telling you, all right? But anyhow, uh, when the younger son left, which was Nick, and uh, 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 when he left, you'll remember the older brother looked at him and did this and said, right? How many of y'all remember that? He did great, man. He did a good job. He's like, man, I'm done with you, right? You're dead to me. That's that's the kind of that's the kind of talk to my friends say. All right, you're dead to me. All right, but uh, anyhow, this is where the older brother was, but he had reason to be. Because he could understand, at least at the beginning of this thing, and all the way through it actually, but he understood that what was was given was not theirs, it was the Father's. Uh, You can look at this man, I've seen a couple of things. I, I want you to notice first off about the elder brother, I want you to notice his obedience. All right, now we already determined that he exaggerated and we already determined that, uh, you know, he kind of he, he kind of uh, 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 blew up uh, uh, an anthill, you know, made a, a, a mountain out of a molehill, right? I mean, he says, I never did this. Well, we know that he probably did transgress the commandments of the Father at some point, uh, 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 whether he was a teenager or whatever. Uh, But uh, uh, what I do want you to notice was, I want you to notice two things about his obedience. I want you to notice, first off, his labor. The Bible tells us when it comes on the scene in verse number 25 that this boy was where? Does anybody, can anybody tell me? He was in the field. All right, now listen. For some people, they don't understand what that means. But when you're in the field, you're working. All right? Now, I need somebody to help me right here. All right? Anybody that's been in the field, you don't stand around in the field. You don't stand around and look, see what's, hey, I'm just going to watch everybody else work. All right? The elder brother, I want you to notice in his obedience, he was laboring. In other words, he was busy. And he was busy about his father's business. Oh, I need somebody to help me. Because we're trying to relate this to the church. And when you relate this correctly to the church and you understand what goes on in here, you understand that there's folks that's been around here a long time and they have worked diligently and they have labored very difficultly and with everything they had for the purpose of the benefit of the Father, the profit of the Father. And so this young man or this older brother, he was, in his obedience, I noticed that he was very laborious. He worked hard. He was industrious. He worked, all right? There's nothing wrong with that. Somebody say amen. Matter of fact, the Bible says a man don't eat. I mean, a man don't work, he don't eat. That needs to be something that's hung. Since they've taken the Ten Commandments, maybe they could put that verse up down there where they're giving all of our tax money that they're stealing from us. If a man don't work, he don't eat. I need somebody to help me. And this man, he labored. He wasn't lazy. He wasn't laying around and, and wishing he was somewhere else. He wasn't upset with dad because he wasn't able to live the life that he felt like he ought to live. And so he wasn't asking dad for his portion. Do you realize that the son, the younger son left and yet the elder brother stayed? So not only do we see his labor, but we see his loyalty. I mean, come on now, help me out. If dad's willing to divide the portion that is the young man's, he would have been just as willing to divide to... Matter of fact, the Bible says that he divided it unto them who said it. To them. It wasn't just to him. So 
this boy, not only do we find him laboring, but we find him loyal. He did not leave the father after the father gave to him something that wasn't his to begin with. And being the older brother, is everybody all right? A lot of times, how many of y'all has heard this double portion? It's quite possible that he received more than what the younger one did. And yet he stayed with the father. But the problem was, was there was a little root of bitterness. I need somebody to help me. There was a little root of bitterness when the prodigal left and father probably didn't see that. Brother John was playing the father and he run over here because he was wanting to, he was hoping his son wouldn't leave, but behind him, the elder brother, when dad wasn't looking. Come on, y'all. Go on. Just get out of here. I need somebody to help me. It's just a little bitterness. But he continued to work. He stayed loyal. He stayed with the Father. So we see his obedience. But then I want you to notice number two with me, his objection. His objection. I want you to notice, first of all, he objected and, and, and with, with the mentality that his brother was unworthy. I want you to let that sink in a little bit. His objection was that his brother was unworthy. His brother comes home. His brother had devoured his father's living with harlots. His brother had wasted his living. His brother had ended up in a hog pen. His brother had, had come home with no clothes, no nothing to his name. And he objected to his brother and felt that his brother was unworthy you know a problem in a lot of churches today is we look at others down our nose instead of looking at others as by our side oh I need somebody to help me when we start looking at somebody and say well they just got saved what are they going what do they have to offer uh, have you ever seen this guy Chris, stand up, man. Y'all ever seen this guy? Chris is playing the part for us, ain't he? Hey, Chris is good. Chris is probably one of the best actors we got now, I'm telling you. Chris said, hey, Chris, how many of y'all remember Chris said this? He said all they ever see was this. And how many people have walked into a church and all they see? Oh, I need somebody to help me. I was telling, uh, uh, um, I, I, I hesitate to tell y'all this because I know what kind of people I pastor. But I have, we have somebody coming to our church and they are a tattoo artist. Hell, is everybody all right? So I was talking to my buddy that's a deacon and I said, I said, what you reckon would happen if he stepped into your, or, uh, they stepped into your church? And he said, ooh. His reaction, not mine. Ooh. Ooh, is everybody all right? Now, we, we sit here and say, man, the church wouldn't do that. But the truth is, church would do that. And so we see the elder brother all around us. 
Come on, help me now. We see the elder brother all around us, which is more reason why you and I should guard ourselves from becoming the elder brother. When we look down on somebody and look at somebody different because they don't look the same way we do, they don't act the same way we do, they don't talk the same way we do, they don't have the same upbringing that we do, then what we do is we try to put them in a class underneath us. No different than what he did. He said the brother ain't worthy to be called the son. But it was, mm, I need something, y'all ain't getting this. But it wasn't, hey, his, his relationship to the father isn't determined by the elder brother. Oh, I need somebody, y'all better help me tonight now, I'll preach for three hours. You cannot, somebody that walks into this church and gets saved, you don't get to determine their relationship to the Father. But he thought he could. He, he, he thought his brother was unworthy. He thought his father was unfair. Yeah, his objection he thought the brother was unworthy. He ain't worthy to be given anything, but he thought the father was unfair. I've worked these all these years for you. I've done all this for you. I've been loyal to you. I didn't leave you. And yet you've never given me a party. You've never thrown me a party. You've never let me just have one of the kids or one of the fatted calves and to make merry with all of my friends and to invite, and invite them all over. But as soon as this boy that is unworthy comes home, all of a sudden you want to have a party. So his objection was that the brother was unworthy, but his objection was that the father was unfair. You ain't treating me right. This ought to put everybody, this ought to put a knife in every one of our hearts right here. When we realize how far we can get away from the Father. How far we can get away from the Father. When we look at this, he said, this is basically what he's saying. You've never done anything for me. And yet the Father had provided him a home. The Father had provided him a living. The Father had provided him an inheritance. Somebody help me. The Father had put clothes on his back, had put food on his table, had put shoes on his feet. I mean, he had done everything that he possibly could, but the boy did not see it that way. He had to have something more. He wanted something more. God, ain't, you ain't being fair to me, God. I've done this for so long. I've labored for so long. I've been here. I've been there. I've been doing all of this, and you ain't been fair to me, God. That's what he's saying. Somebody walks in off the street, never walked in the church before. They cry their way to the altar, and all of a sudden, they're Brother Robbie's good friend now. <laughs> Brother Robbie's hanging out with them. And he ain't never hung, I need somebody to help me. He ain't never hung out with me. He ain't never done this. He ain't never done that. God use is unfair. I don't like it. This was the elder brother. He thought his objection was the brother was unworthy. His objection was the father was unfair. His objection was that his life was unrewarding. Hmm. His objection was that his life was unrewarding. 
In other words, I'm doing all of this and getting nothing in return. But you and I know the laws of the harvest. And you don't reap when you sow. You reap after you sow. I need, man, I need somebody to help me. You don't plant corn today and pick corn tomorrow. In other words, you and I have an inheritance. You and I have a reward. And up in heaven, I'm going to say it, the first shall be last, the last shall be first, but we all getting a reward. We all getting paid. We all going to find that God, He ain't forgot what you've done. He ain't, he, ain't, he ain't misplaced all of the labor that you have uh, done for the Lord. He keeps a good record of everything that you have done. And let me help you with something. If you get rewarded down here on earth, you will not be rewarded up there. You need to be real careful about where you grab hold of your inheritance. I might not, hey listen here, I'm looking forward to the day that I get there and I receive an inheritance. I think it was, and I've shared this with you, but man, this thing has stuck with me and I think it was, uh, 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 what was his name? No, it wasn't D.L. Moody, the preacher, the preacher. Uh, man, I, I, no. Did all the crusades. Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Thank you very much. Uh, my mind went blank. Billy Graham. Billy Graham said this. Somebody told Billy Graham, they said, hey, said, man, aren't you looking forward to getting to heaven and seeing all the rewards that you're going to receive for all the countless souls that got saved? And I'll never forget, Billy Graham said this. He said, son, he said, I have been honored. I have been celebrated. I have been exalted here on the earth. He said, when I get to heaven, I don't expect any rewards. I thought, I mean, uh, all the, you, you, have, you, may, you can be mad at Billy Graham all you want to, but there is nobody that God used to get the gospel to more people than what he did, Billy Graham. And this man had an understanding that if he was celebrated here, this would be his reward. If he was celebrated by man, it would be his reward. Now, don't get me wrong. There's going to be a lot of crowns. Billy, Billy done thrown back a, a lot of crowns uh, back at the feet of Jesus. Is everybody all right? But what I want you to understand is that your reward may not be on this side of the dirt. But God will make good on his reward. Lastly, I'm done. We see his obedience, we see his objection, but I see his oversight. His oversight. He overlooked the Father's presence. Amen. Hmm. I'm going to stop right here just for a minute. I want you to let it soak in. We sing a song uh, that uh, uh, Jaira right. says, You are an, enough. Says you are enough. Let's ask the younger brother when he was in the hog pen. Amen. Come on, help me, y'all. Yeah, right. When he was in the far country. Once he got off in the far country, once he ended up in the hog pen, what did he desire? The father. father. And too many of us overlook the presence of the Father. That's right. Come on. 
Too many of us overlook the, the Father's presence. I'm going to say this, and I'll probably make some people mad on the Internet, but too many churches put an emphasis on everything but the Father's presence. God can do more in a moment. Listen, God can do more in a moment than what counseling can do in years. But yet we neglect the presence of God. People are living a life and they're fighting and struggling through life. I don't know why. And every time you say, man, you ought to come to church. Man, you ain't got to go to church to be a Christian. But yet you and I know that when we meet together, God meets with us. You and I know where two or three are gathered together in His name. I need somebody to help me. Those two or three friends that you got going fishing with and those two or three friends that you got going hunting with, you're not gathering in His name. You're gathering in the woods. You're gathering on the lake. You're gathering out there on the golf course. You're gathering in the shopping ladies. You're gathering over there at this and over there at that. But you ain't gathering in His name. But when two or three gather in His name, the Bible says He's in the midst. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Why do you think we continually tell you to praise the Lord, try to get you pumped up and try to get you to worship God? Because when you and I worship God, God said, whoop, I'm going down there. And he had overlooked that all those years, Bear, he had the presence of the Father. He not only overlooked the Father's presence, listen, but he overlooked the Father's love. Oh, I need, man, I need somebody to help me. We live in a sissy generation. Uh, preacher, shh, shh. We live in a generation of single moms telling their kids how bad dad is. I need, man, I need somebody to help me. Bunch of single mamas telling their kids, trying to convince their kids how bad their daddy is when their daddy's worked his whole life trying to provide a home for them to live in and trying to provide food for them to eat and trying to provide uh, 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 clothes for their backs. Hey, mama did that too, but daddy did too. That's right. And you can perceive that any way you want to, but I'm going to tell you, a, man, a man's, I need some help from the fellas. A man's different. Amen. Don't expect me. My kids know it. Don't expect me to come running up to you and sugaring you all up and kissing all over you and everything else. But I hope my kids know that I've given them everything that I know to give them. I've done the best I could with what God allowed me to do, and that is to love them by providing for them. He overlooked the father's love. Dad didn't let him have a party, but yet dad put food on his table every single night. Dad didn't let him have a party, but dad made sure he had clothes on his back when the younger one was over in a hog pen wishing he had a meal. The younger one was over in a hog pen wishing he had clothes. The whole time, dad provided I don't know if mom was around in the story. We don't, get a, we don't get a description of mom in the story. I don't know if she'd passed on. I don't know where she's at. But what I do know, what I do know was there, was the father. That's right. Come 
And he overlooked the Father's love because it didn't line up like he thought the Father should love. He overlooked the Father's presence. He overlooked the Father's love. He overlooked the Father's provisions. That goes along with his love. But I want you to listen, and I'm done. This was, this was the whole thing. Y'all ready? He overlooked the Father's heart. Say, I don't understand that, preacher. We talked about love. We talked about this or that. What do you mean he overlooked the Father's heart? See, the older son, the elder brother, he could stand there and beat his chest just like the Pharisees. That's right. I never left. I followed all the laws and commandments. I did this and I did that. Is everybody with me? But he missed the father's heart. He thought that the father should be just as bitter. As he was. He felt like the father wasn't right if he wasn't as bitter as he was. Listen to me. The older brother, this is something that I read, I believe it was by a man named Morgan. And uh, his last name Morgan, but, and, and I'm summarizing because I didn't quote it. I, 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 I can't quote it. But this is how he summarized the thing. If I was to summarize it, he said this. The, the older brother was in the house of the father, but he was far from the heart. He was in the house with the Father, but he was far from the heart of the Father. Which tells me that some people can come in and sit right down on a chair, right in the presence of the Father, Amen. with the brethren. Amen. I need somebody to help me in celebration, Amen. but don't have the heart of the Father. Because right. see, the heart of the Father celebrated. When somebody that was lost was found. The heart of the Father, all through the Scripture, Jesus here is trying to show them in this parable that the heart of the Father is that the lost would repent and come back. And when they do, the Father and all of heaven rejoices over one that repents and comes back. That's the heart of the Father. So if you come to church and if you're attending church and you like it just the way it is, let's not grow, let's not do anything, don't even bring no guests in here, let's hope none of them stay. If they do come, then you are in the house, but you're far off from the heart. The boy, the younger boy, he journeyed into the far country. But the elder son, because of his bitterness, he wandered off into the far corner. Oh. Tonight, I want to make sure, as I'm excited, I ain't going to lie to you. Sunday, I was not. Tell them, Brother Edwin. I went into the prayer room and I told everybody's in the prayer room. I was as discouraged as I could be. We planned this thing out. I've been thinking about this thing from before I had surgery. I had surgery and Miss Miranda brought me a, a red owl coffee. She's, 
She's one of my favorite secretaries. She come out to the house the day after I think I had surgery. And she brought me a Red Owl coffee. She sat there, and me and her and Michelle, we sat there in my living room, and we wrote this thing out. This is, way we, this is what we're going to do. How, let's start doing this. Man, got, finally got, uh, my, my child finally cared enough about me to check on me about three or four days later, and we shared what we were doing with him, and man, he had some great input. I mean, Dalton, Dalton's got a mind for this. He, he does wonderful. But as we were doing all of this, and we were, we were going through all this, man, we were preparing, and we were excited. Michelle, my wife, she's over there. She, she's making up these invitation cards and man, we've ordered them. And just like we did last time, we were going to order a thousand, two thousand of them to pass out and to get people to come to church and everything else. And man, the mail. We don't even know where they're at. We don't even know. Uh, we, we, we done called them up and said, send us our money back. We paid for it. And they were supposed to be here weeks before the drama started. We don't even know where it's at. Frustrated. We're going to have friend day. Man, we ain't been able to promote it like I wanted to because we don't have the cards and we don't do this and we can't do that. I was frustrated. I was frustrated. All this stuff was building up. I'm like, man, I believe this is going to be good. I sat there and cried my heart out over the, when we were talking about it in my, in, my, in my living room. We were crying while we were writing it out, got in there with Dalton. And man, we're just, I mean, I'm a mess over this thing because I am the prodigal. I, I was him. Amen. And I was thinking, man, how good this can be for somebody else. Right. Yep. Everything seemed to come against it. In that stupid hurricane, I dare you. Dare that heifer to come back. I need somebody to help me. Man, I was, I was tore up. Now we ain't got no electricity. People are literally, their lives turned upside down. Houses destroyed. I mean, think lives gone. Families literally burying people clean up weeks we still ain't cleaned up man they're doing the best they can and praise the Lord but we still ain't we, we ain't recovered we're coming into Sunday and man here, here we you didn't if you wasn't here Labor Day Sunday we had our lowest one of our lowest crowds understandably we had one service I told Jesse, I said, let's prepare for 400 people, man, because I don't know, we got two services, we're combining them into one, let's go ahead and cook sausage dogs for 400 people, maybe everybody will show up and we can have one church service and get out of here. Man, we had lower attendance in a, nine, and, and, and a combined service, one-time service, than what we normally have on a 9 o'clock. Crushed, but understanding. Understand, I, I, I mean, I was broken about it, but I still understood it because we still, you know, we didn't have power. <laughs> I need somebody help me. We didn't have power at that time. And, and at least we have propane gas and we could have hot water. I, I turned the generator on and we could take a shower and hot water and everything else. So our water heater's propane. So, I mean, but there were some people, if they were going to come to church, it was going to be a cold shower. I need some. <laughs> hey, and I've been there and done that before. Crushed. Wednesday night, still cleaning up. 
Service are low. Come into Sunday. I ain't been able to promote it. Hurricanes come, done devastated the area. I don't know if it was in a staff meeting. I don't know where it was at, but I said, why are we even doing this? Why don't we just postpone it? Why don't we just put it out another month or something, figure out dates and everything else, which is really mess us up. No, we've already planned it. We done done this and we done that. I come in Sunday morning, defeated. Walked into there into that prayer room and I said, man, I don't know if anybody's even going to show up. We're promoting friend day. Everything in the world's against it. Everything has come against it. The, the, the hurricane preparations, everything's come against it. I don't even know if anybody will even show up. But God. But God. I mean, we have 457 people. That's a pile of people. It ain't as big as our Easter service of over 600. It ain't as big as our third week of the Easter drama, which was 500. But 457 people is nothing to, uh, you know, to just brush off. 457 people was in the church service. I preached the first sermon, and we're doing it on rebellion. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I was thinking, man, how do you... This is how my mind works. How do I get this to the cross? Everything. Every sermon. How do I get it to the cross? It was Spurgeon that said, a man should take the scripture and make a beeline for the cross. That's right. Come on. So I'm trying to, how, 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 how? Give an invitation before people get saved. Amen. People come down. Working with people, praise the Lord, four people got saved in the first service. Hallelujah. I'd have been happy with that, run out of here shouting. Had the second service, six people get saved. I'm standing down here, right here, I'm filling out stuff. Hey, I told y'all I had a funeral. Two o'clock. I was going to get out of here as fast as I can. One o'clock, I was still standing in here. All y'all was gone, you just left me. All left me. Filling out cards, telling people thank you. They're getting saved. They gotten saved, and this this person got this. six people got saved. I told my buddy, I said, I said God just had to show me. It wasn't about me anyhow. Amen. Come on. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what God's doing. It ain't none of it worked out to my plans. Amen. But I do know God's in it. <laughs> he 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 proved he was in it. I just have to believe that he ain't done. Now, how are we going to handle those that come through them doors? How are we going to handle those that get saved and want to get involved in the church, but you're doing six, seven ministries? That's my ministry. I've been doing it ever since I've been here at Calvary Baptist Church for 942 years. Nobody else can do it as good as I can. I can put the flannel stuff up there on the board better than anybody. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Or we give opportunity for other people to get involved. Instead of being the elder brother, be one of the servants that just went and got the robe, went and got the ring, went and got the shoes. 
went and got the calf, killed the calf, cooked the calf, and now they're partying, dancing, and music. Are you a servant or are you the elder son? Heads bow with me. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this church. Lord, every time, every time I talk to somebody, Lord, there has been, I can count on one hand in the 11 years that I've been here were people that said this church wasn't inviting, it wasn't hospitable, we weren't overly nice, we didn't pay attention. God, I can count on, on one hand, probably just two or three fingers, folks that have come in here and been able to say that about our church. I'm thankful for how loving and kind and gracious our church is. But God, I believe you're up to something. I believe it. I, the whole time you had this on my mind, Lord, I, I believe you are up to something. Lord, I, I don't want to be a part of a crowd that looks at somebody else as being unworthy or looks at you as being unfair or looks at this life as being unrewarding. But God, I want to know your heart. I want to be close to your heart. Lord, I want to find myself rejoicing. I want to find myself making sacrifice, Lord. I want to find myself not only in your house, but Lord, close to your heart. Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us in here. Lord, to keep that same attitude, to have that same attitude. Lord, I beg you, let us pull out, pluck out bitterness before it takes root. And Lord, be the church that you would have us to be. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask a question and I'll be done. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity? If you were taking your last breath tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity? The Bible tells us there's two places, heaven or hell. Jesus said there was two places, heaven or hell. So if you died right now, do you know whether you'd go to heaven or hell? You say, preacher, I'm not sure where I'd go if I was to die right now. I want you to raise your hand. Just lift it right up where I can see it and you can put it back down. Is there anybody in the service like that? All right, our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for loving on us. Lord, thank you for a wonderful Wednesday night. I pray that you bless us as we go our separate ways. God, bring us back to your house safely Sunday, Lord, as we continue in our study and series on the prodigal son. Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the honor and glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.